Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, as we grow closer to God, God sanctifies us. He makes us holy. And it's a, it's a lifelong process that we undertake of, of holiness, of sanctification. And, and in that pathway, in that process, there's a definite part that God plays and there's a definite part that we play. God doesn't do it all. But on the flip side, we don't do it all either. Listen to this quote from the book entitled, God's Power at Work Within You. We cannot do for ourselves what God has already done, but God will not do for us what he has called us to do. So listen in today specifically to the part that we play in our own sanctification as we grow closer and closer to God. And look at this. Last week, we talked about what part God plays to make us holy. And this week, we're going to talk about the part we play in our own sanctification. Remember, holiness is uh, its like a noun. Sanctification is the action to get you to where you need to be from a holiness standpoint. So when I use the word sanctification or holiness, they're essentially synonymous. But look at this. This is from this book that I've been reading. God's power at work in you. Look at this. We cannot do for ourselves what God has already done. You can try as hard as you want to, to be a good person, but if God has already sanctified you, you can't go back and do the work that he's already done for you. But look at the flip side of this. God will not do for us what he has called us to do. You see, There's two tracks in holiness. There's the part that God plays and the part that we play. And if we don't do our part, there's going to be problems. We're not going to get to where we need to be. And so there's these, there's these three steps of holiness or sanctification that we've been talking about. There's positional holiness. That's what we talked about last week where God positions us and he says, you're holy because I tell you you're holy. Because you've come to me, you've repented of your sins, you've put your faith in Jesus, now I declare you holy. And if he tells you you're holy, you just need to accept that. You are a saint, not a sinner. Remember your identity in Christ. If you didn't listen to that last week, make sure you listen to that recording. All right, there's positional holiness. Then there's progressive holiness, all right? He sits us in a place of positional holiness, and he says, all right, now let's start marching, all right? We're going to progressively get, get more and more sanctified, more and more changed, more and more the person of our dreams, little by little. How long does that take? A whole stinking lifetime is how long that takes. It takes your whole life. It's not going to happen overnight. You know how I know? Look at me. (laughs) It's taken forever. It's progressive holiness. It's Christian maturity. In fact, that's what holiness is. It's maturing. I'm not going to stay a little infant baby anymore. I need to grow up in sanctification. And, And I found as I get closer and closer to God, my convictions start tightening up on me. Things that were okay for me back now, back then, now it bothers me. It affects me. That movie that was okay to watch, I felt five years ago, all of a sudden I watch it and I feel convicted inside. It bothers me. That music that I used to be okay with, it bothers me. That relationship bothers me. 
Why? Because God is pulling me closer and closer into his holiness. And God's holiness just doesn't put up with certain things. And I start wanting different things in my life. And then, so there's positional progressive, and then there's completed holiness. And that ain't going to happen until I get to heaven. (laughs) That's when I'm going to reach that perfect state because God has perfected me throughout my life and then and then perfects me completely. So today we're going to be talking about the part we play in this progressive step-by-step holiness. In Hebrews 10:14 it says, "For by one sacrifice, just one, not many. You don't have to crawl up a, a mountain whipping yourself on the back and bloody your knees. You don't need that kind of sacrifice. Jesus, one sacrifice is all it took." He made you perfect forever. He made you perfect. That's positional holiness. For those who are being made holy. God is making you holy one step at a time. So today let's look at this this progressive holiness, this progressive change. I've been telling God lately, God, please change me. Please change the way I think and, and how I act and how I behave. But I found that there's three areas that God's holiness goes in and starts fixing. And I want you to hear me out and hear me closely, all right? Three areas, all right? The first area is my will. The second area is my thoughts. And the third area is my feelings or my emotions. God's holiness needs to work in all three of those areas of my life. And so let's look at those one at a time. First of all, my will. Now look at this. God wants to make my will more holy, more sanctified, a better, stronger will, strong when it needs to be and not so strong when it doesn't need to be. In fact, he wants to align my will with his will. And then once it's aligned, make it strong. Say, you know what? Your will be done, God. And my will is for your will. And I want that to be strong alignment, all right? In Psalms 51, uh, 12, the psalmist says there, it's, it's David, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit, a spirit that lines up with God's will and says, Hey, wherever you go, God, I'm with you, heart and soul. That's what prayer is. Every morning, we should be getting up and spending some time talking to the Lord. Spending time in prayer. What is prayer if not to say this? God, today, align my will with yours. That's the goal of prayer. (laughs) God, get me in sync with you. And every time I get out of sync, sync us back up again. Get my will in line with you. Give me a willing spirit. And then there's the Lord's Prayer, which I already accidentally spilled the beans here. But Mark or Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. You see this progressive thing? All right? It used to be all about me and my will. And now as I get closer to God, he's saying, my will is better than your will. All right? My way is better than your way. My plan is better than your. And little by little, we start getting, oh, you know what? God is actually smarter than I am. Holy cow. God is, is he's more gooder than I am too, all right? He's better. He's got better intentions. His outcomes are way higher than my outcomes. So I may as well get on the same, you know, page of music with him, sheet of music, and start singing his tunes and not my own. 
And see, I start getting that through this progressive holiness. My will starts conforming to his. The second one I mentioned is my thoughts, all right? Back here in positional holiness, I'm me, 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 my self-thoughts. All my thoughts are self-centered. But as I start making progress towards God, my thoughts start getting God-centered. They start getting God-centered instead of self-centered. And everything changes when you say, Jesus, you're the center of the universe. I'm not. I'm not the center of the universe. And see, my thoughts start getting on him instead of, of on myself. It was really cool. We were, before the pandemic, we'd take these youth missions trips out to California. And one of the girls, she was probably 14. I'll never forget what she said. She said, it's so weird. Whenever I read the Bible throughout the day, the Bible distracts me. Instead of being distracted from the Bible, she was saying the Bible is distracting me because she was, she was thinking or doing studies or whatever, and she'd think about this verse that she read, and then she'd, her thoughts went to the Bible, went to the Word of God, went to truth. Don't you wish we could be that way? Distracted by God? Be God-centered instead of self-centered? Isaiah 55, 9 says, As high as the heavens, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Do you think that you can have God's thoughts flowing through your mind? You bet. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your strength, your soul. And I'm getting this out of order, but one of those four is the mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your thoughts, A way that you can show love to God is by thinking about him and his word, his promises, and the good things that he's done in your life. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to change your thoughts. Part of progressive holiness is thinking differently than you used to. Thinking differently than you used to. Number three is your feelings. Boy, I'll tell you what, if I could not have feelings sometimes, I would be so happy because I'll tell you, bad thoughts might plague your mind, your will might trip you up, but your feelings really can get you into tailspin really fast. Your emotions. And the Bible is full of truths and scriptures and and strategies for how you can get your feelings in check. All right. And so we want to change the source of our feelings from our flesh, our selfish selves. We want to get our feelings sourced from heaven. I'll never forget. I was sitting. I was uh, in college a long time ago at UTEP and I was in the parking lot. No, no, no. This was UTA. This is I was in Dallas, actually. And I was in my car. It was a Wednesday. It was around two o'clock in the afternoon. I had a break between classes. It was raining. I saw that, remember the drops on my, on my windshield? And guess what? I felt so good. I was happy. I was jazzed, man. Things were, I don't know, I was just happy. I don't know why, I can't remember why. Next Wednesday, same car, same time, same rain. And I was blue as you could be. I was depressed, I was down. And I thought to myself, what was different from last Wednesday and this Wednesday that I would feel so different? I tell you what, your feelings will trip you up and trick you like nothing else. That's why God wants to be the source of your feelings. 
He wants to be the source of your feelings. Look in 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Look and see if you can identify some bad feelings, some bad vibes here. It says, for I am uh, for I'm afraid that when I come to you, I may not find you as I want you to be. You may, uh, you may not find me as you want me to be either. Uh, with Look at some of these feelings. I fear that they may be discord. Have you ever felt like just you're confused, your thoughts are banging around in your head, and you just feel at odds. You feel weird, all right? That's a feeling of discord, feelings of jealousy, feelings of rage. That's a feeling. It's an emotion, all right? Some of these aren't feelings. Some of them are, but uh, arrogance, that's a feeling of disorder. These, these produce strong feelings. But look, those are bad feelings. But when you start getting your feelings sourced from God, everything changes, man. Because your feelings, they impact the way you behave. Probably more than just about anything else. In Galatians 5, and 23, we find that the fruits of the Spirit are, in fact, feelings. They're more than that. You'll, I, I, I'll take that argument. But they are feelings as well. Look at this, a feeling of love, a feeling of joy, a feeling of patience, a feeling of kindness, a feeling of goodness, a feeling of faithfulness, a feeling of gentleness and self-control. God wants to make your feelings holier than they are right now. He wants to sanctify your feelings. And I love it when God, he's done this for me many times and continues to. He sanctifies my feelings and lifts me up out of the mud out of the pit, and puts me back on the peak again. Man, I tell you what, God wants to help us with our feelings. So this, this, this description of progressive holiness is God doing his part, but you and I doing our parts as well. So let's look at a few scriptures to see if we can pinpoint what God's part is and what our part is. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11. through 11. And everywhere where you see his, that's God. Everywhere where you say you see our or you, that's us. And we can start to compare and contrast God's role and our role. Never try to get into God's role, but definitely stick in your role. All right, so let's look at this. It says, first of all, his divine power. This is God's part in progressive holiness. His power, his divine power. All right, that's the part he plays. What does his divine power do? It gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. So he says, you know what? I'm going to spring for you. I'm going to go to, what's that mobile tool thing um, that you see at construction sites? Anyways, this, this truck drives up with all the tools you need for life and for godliness. He opens it up and he says, take whatever you need. And you go and you pull peace, you pull joy, you pull faith, you pull love. You get all the tools out. You put them in your tool shed. He says, there, I did my part. I gave you the tools that you need for everything that you need in life. I gave you prayer. I gave you the Bible. I gave you a church family. I gave you you know, breath in your lungs. I gave you a smart little gray matter in your head. You've got everything you need for life and for godliness. And furthermore, you got my presence, my love, my power, everything that you need. Now it's your turn. <laughs> now you've got to do something with it. So it says he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness through what is our part? Our knowledge of him. 
I'll tell you what, if you have all these tools and you haven't learned how to use them, they're not going to do you an ounce of good. And that's why Christians walk around dull, depressed, and fruitless. Because they haven't learned. They haven't taken the time to read their Bibles. They haven't taken the time to come to church. They haven't taken the time to pray. They haven't reached in and started building their spiritual IQ to move forward in God. And so what? We have these Christians that are just sitting on the curb begging for handouts all the time when Jesus is saying, get up. I've given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Get into the word. Get into fellowship. Do what you got to do. And through your knowledge, you're going to start progressing in holiness. Man. That blessed me so much when I read that. (laughs) Look in verse four, it says, through these, through what? Through those incredibly good things that God has given us, our, our spiritual tools. Through these, he has given us, furthermore, he's given us very great and precious promises. On top of the tools, he says, if you use these tools, this is what's gonna happen. My power is gonna come through. My blessing is going to come through. I'm going to lift your spirits when you're down. I'm going to help you when you're in trouble. All right? I'm going to give you great and precious promises, but we read on on so that through them, you, (laughs) that's him. He gave us the promises. Now, what do you have to do? You may participate in God's divine nature. How do you participate in God's divine nature? Simply through faith. It's believing God's promises. If God says he heals, he heals. If God says he fills people with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, he fills people with the Holy Spirit. If he saves, he saves. I'll never forget how God saved me. You know what? Salvation half the time is against your will, in my opinion. (laughs) I was on this side of the street doing whatever I felt like doing, God was a big old tough guy on the other side of the street. He whistles at me. Hey, come on over here. I said, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. He said, come on over here. Finally, he crosses the street. Big old burly guy grabs me by the neck of the neck, carries me over to this side of the street, puts me down and says, there, I want you to stay over here. I'll tell you what, that's how God saves. <laughs> do, we play, do we have to accept salvation? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But God intervenes sometimes is big, monstrous, powerful, life-changing salvation. I'll tell you what, God overcomes people's wills all the time. He overcame mine. All right? That's the power of God. Where was I and how did I get off on that one? Come on, think, think. All right? We participate in his divine nature. I'll tell you, part of that is when you pray for somebody to get saved, God is going to go on a rescue mission. He is going to go on a rescue mission. You're praying for a a loved one, a child, someone who's kind of starting to get away from God. God's going to answer that prayer, and he's going to come through powerfully and start shaking people's lives and getting them closer to him. But let's continue on here, all right, that you may participate in this divine nature. Now look at this in verse 5. For this very reason, make, look at these three words, make every effort. It's bolded and you can't see it real bold here. 
Make every effort to add. Effort to add. Effort to add. What does that mean? That means I am going to make an effort to receive, receive, receive. I'm not going to make an effort to get, get, get. No, because God is giving, giving, giving. So what I need to do, my effort needs to be, I'm going to open up my heart. It takes effort. I'm not going to stay shut. I'm going to open up my heart, my mind every morning and say, God, I'm going to make an effort just to get. I'm going to make an effort to add. See, as Christians, about the only thing we can do is receive from the Lord. The more you receive, the more will bubble out of you and then you begin to give. But you can't give until you've received. So every morning, get up. Make an effort to open up your heart. Get into the word of God. Read it for yourself. Come on a Wednesday night and get into discipleship and start receiving from God. Make every effort to add. God's part is to give. My part is to receive. You think we're idiots. You know, at Christmas, do you think my kids have to try to receive no they run in and they take it you know why can't we be that way with God I mean make an effort to receive from God so we talk about faith goodness knowledge I won't go into all the details although they deserve attention it says if you in verse 8 if you possess you've received and you possess these qualities in ever increasing measure that's that That's that walk, little by little, I'm getting more, I'm getting more, I'm getting more, I'm getting more, I'm receiving more from God, I'm getting, getting, getting. I'm progressing because I'm receiving more and more from the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that I get pushes something bad out of me. (laughs) And that's really cool because you can't get rid of stuff unless you've received something to push it out. Push it out. That's the part that we play. And then in verse... 10 it says therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and your election now look i'm going to throw this up on the screen two thoughts make every make every effort to add all right but what does this mean to confirm it doesn't mean that you try harder all right um i've had all kinds of shortfalls in my life one of them i hate okay i'm a cpa I should like to handle money. I hate handling money. All right. At one point, I was like doing money at work. And then I, we were at a different church. And I was doing the treasury function there. And the last thing that I wanted to do when I came home was my own personal finances. That was the last thing that I wanted to do. All right. But I, I would so every time I'd fail to get caught up on our finances, I would kick myself. You stupid idiot, Steve. Come on, man. You got to get with it. And I'd say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. That's not what God wants you to do, to try harder. As soon as you start trying harder, it gets harder. (laughs) It gets harder. So what does this word confirm means? It says, it literally means in the Greek, to walk where it is solid. Go back to the rock. Go back to the place of faith. Go back to Jesus so he can help you in your weakness. To confirm means to go back. Don't try harder. Go back and stand on Jesus and reaffirm your faith in God. That's what it means 
to confirm your calling and make it make your election sure. Let's give you just don't worry just a couple more thoughts here. In Philippians 2 verses 12 through 13, it says therefore my dear friends, as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue. Look at this, what you do and what God does. You continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that could be mistaken if you don't read the next part, because the next part says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God, what does God do? He works in you and he changes your will. All right. Do you have any idea why I don't like, I don't eat some vegetables like Brussels sprouts? Um, What's another? Yeah, Brussels sprouts. Let's just leave with that one. Do you know why I don't Eat Brussels sprouts? Exactly. I don't, I don't want to. I don't have a will to, so I don't do it. All right? Well, you know what God does? He gets inside of you, and he starts helping you to want to do things that you didn't want to before. That's the kind of God. He doesn't slap you up to your side of your head and say, try harder. No, he, ch- he goes inside of you. He works a couple of miracles. And all of a sudden, you find yourself wanting to do things that you didn't want to before. He changes your will. And he says not just he works in you to will and then to act. Because you want to, then you start doing the things that you should. And conversely, you stop doing the things that you didn't want to. He works in you. So what is your part? He works in you. You work out what he's worked in you. You start being a little bit more disciplined, saying, all right, I feel a little change in my heart. We're going to go with it, and I'm going to be a co-labor with God. We're going to be working hand in hand, and I'm going to work out what he's working in me, all right? If you have a glimmer of love for that person that you used to hate, go with it. Call them. Uh, you know, pray for them. Think about them. Use the little, little jump starts that God gives you and go with it so that it motivates you and you work out what God is working inside of you. All right. Uh, last set of scriptures. All right. Is everybody still with me? What time is it? Oh, we're good. All right. Hebrews 12 verses five through six. The scriptures on God's discipline in our lives, not as punishment, his discipline, his discipline, all right? Discipline is like what a coach does with his players in two-a-days when they're getting ready for football season. It's not punishment, it's discipline. He's trying to strengthen those football players, all right? So Hebrews 12, verses five through six, it says, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says this, my son, Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of this progressive holiness that you're in the process of getting to. Don't make light of it, but also don't lose heart when he rebukes you for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as son. Now look at these two extreme reactions to this progress. You're walking along here and you get slapped upside the head by some trouble, all right? Something bad happens to you. Don't make lightly of it and don't lose heart over it. What does it mean to make light of God's discipline or the sanctification process? It's to scorn to submit and say, I don't care, God. Do whatever you're going to do, God. I don't care. And you just make light of it. And you scorn it. You ignore it. You say, that's a problem. 
Some people do this, all right? They have a loved one in the hospital and they don't go visit them because they know it stressed themselves out, so they don't do it. They ignore the problem, they despise it, or they neglect the problem. Don't do that as you're progressively getting into going in sanctification, you have a little bit of trouble in your life. Don't make light of it. But on the flip side, don't lose heart either. You got to stay in the middle of these two extremes here. What is lose heart? I give up, God. I give up. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to read my Bible. I just give up. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) What's that going to do for you? The problem's still going to be there. Still has to be addressed. All right? Another one is you lose courage. You lose heart. You become despondent. And I've seen people, and I've done it myself, where it just... Stone face, stone cold. I don't know. Life stinks and then you die, you know. <laughs> All right? I just, I just, you know, I lose heart. And then you have people who feel sorry for themselves. And I've done this too, so I'm not making fun of anybody. But poor me, woe is me. You know, my life is horrible. I, everybody else's life better than me. And I'm just going to have a pity party for the next 10 years. And there's some people that live this way. All right? God says in this pathway of discipline, of holiness, don't do either of those two things. Don't do those two things. So what are we supposed to do? Well, the next verses tell us, and you're going to see them underlined up here. Let these verbs pop out and grab you, because this is what we're supposed to do in tough times, in the process of being sanctified. The first word is in the first sentence of verse 7. It says, endure endure. That means persevere, submit, be patient, hold on through, accept, don't feel sorry for yourself, and don't give up. Endure. So what am I supposed to do? God's doing his part. What am I supposed to do? Endure. Buck up a little bit. All right? Be a man. Be a woman. All right? Be strong. And just keep marching forward. Keep marching forward. Get a little bit of hope in your mind. You know, get a little bit of faith. Endure. Can you do that by yourself, by the way? Isolation breeds deception. When you're by yourself, you're going to believe all kinds of lies. So what do you need to do when you're going through a trial? Get into church. (laughs) Not just once a a week. That's not going to do it for you. Come on. You need to get into discipleship on Wednesday nights, man. You need to get in touch with people in the church and make friends and build bonds of strength that'll, that'll bolster you while you're having trouble, all right? Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, see, you're not the only one that's going through trouble. Everybody is. I'm going through it. You're going through it. We all are, all right? Everybody goes through trouble. They're not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. So here's the second thing that I see in the scriptures that we need to do as we're going progressively, you know, making progress towards being sanctified is we respect God. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in the car and had a shouting match with Jesus. Like, why, God, why are you doing this? Seriously, I mean, spitting all over the, the, the steering wheel and, you know, just irritated, furious. But you know what? I need to respect God. 
all right, it's not about me. <laughs> all right, he's trying to help me. He's trying to encourage me. So give him the awe, the respect, the, 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 the worship, the, the majesty that he deserves, okay? He says we respect him for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? And that's a tough one. That's a big reason why there's not many Christians in this world is because you've got to submit to God. He is the almighty King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's my father. He's my God. He's my majesty. He's my deity. And I must submit to him, but I'm also going to live. I'm not going to walk this path in misery. I'm going to walk it in hope. I'm going to walk it in life. I'm going to walk it with a smile on my face. And I am going to get through this problem that I'm in. And you are too. All right, we're going to do it with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The fact of the matter is you have 99 good things in your life, and there's just that one bad thing, maybe a handful. But look at all the other stuff. you got lungs that breathe, four limbs, uh, mind. you got eyes. you got a job, hopefully. you got your, you, you have somebody to, to call. Things are good. <laughs> things aren't really as bad as you're making them right now. All right, we got to remind ourselves of that. They disciplined, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. And here's the third or fourth thing, is as we're walking this path of sanctification, it's good. All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's good. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I can look at every single thing that bad that happened in my life, and I can say, in some way, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> in some way. That was the best thing that ever happened to him. It's for our good that we may share in his holiness. As we draw close in the last two weeks, we've talked about the benefits of holiness. I'm a, I was doing a sales pitch to you and telling you how good holiness is and what it does for you. Listen to those recordings. You want holiness. It's worth the trial to get God's holiness working in our lives. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. Let God train you. Let him be your coach. Let him talk to you and correct you. God is not your referee. He's your coach. Totally different. Totally different things. Then he says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. And God is telling you, stand up. Let's jump back on the horse again, and let's get moving. Here's the last thought. No verse is just the thought. Sin stems from six things. Trying to meet your own needs. Establishing your own identity. Receiving acceptance from others. Seeking personal security. Searching for significance outside of God. And trying to earn your righteousness through your own good works. Those all lead to sin, going that direction. We want to go this direction in holiness. Applying holy action to these six six things that I just mentioned. Instead of trying to meet your own needs, trusting God to meet your needs. Trusting God. Instead of finding your identity, establishing your own identity, is finding your identity in Christ. I had a good friend of mine that was gay and and, uh, part of the whole... LGBTQ, uh, you know, movement, and she was making progress, man, getting closer to God, and, and then she said, you know what, but that's my identity, this, you know, this group. I said, no, it's not. No, God is your identity. That's your identity, all right?
So we receive God's identity. In fact, we talked about it last week, receiving acceptance from God instead of trying to get acceptance from people. We get it from God. Seeking God's victory instead of our own personal security. And that very statement is going to launch us all the month of October. Seeking God's victory instead of my own personal security. Man, you got to let that one sink in. That is changing my life right now. Fulfilling God's purpose for my life instead of getting my own significance for myself. And then receiving God's free gift of righteousness through faith instead of trying to earn my righteousness. Let's bow our heads.